Hey everyone, and welcome to episode four of Off the Beaten Clef. This episode is about the used lies for the liars. So let's get into it. So why am I not just living for today? Hey everyone, and welcome to Off the Beaten Clef. This is episode four. This is going to be about the used lies for the liars. Yeah, it is. Uh, my name is Dylan. I'm your host, and with me is Kevin Carter. Hey there. We are so excited to do this episode. Uh, I'm going to be hosting this one because I chose it, <laughs> and it's from 2007. I don't know if I mentioned that, but uh, I am very familiar with this album. I, I was, I guess, sure. about 13, 14 years ago, and it's crazy that I listened to this in junior high. Like, I still can't picture me with my long hair, with my iPod <laughs> in and listening to this, but I, I did, and I loved it. Uh, I was really ashamed of it, too, I guess is weird, because... That's interesting. Uh, emo wasn't popular like it is now. Like, oh, I loved emo. Like, no, nah, none see. of you fuckers liked it. Everyone was listening to Ryan Cabrera, and I was the weird <laughs> kid with my headphones in listening to The Used and My Chemical Romance. See, I don't. I just think you weren't old enough for emo to be cool, because I was in college during this time, and emo was cool during that. Every, every kid on fucking college campuses was listening to these bands, and I was not... <laughs> Uh, because I was a huge metalhead, and I, I was like, this isn't fucking metal. Fuck this shit. Fuck this emo boy stuff. And I regret it, because there's a lot of bands going back when now that I'm older and a little bit more musically mature that I listen to ba- like bands and albums like this. I'm like, man, I missed out on some actually pretty good music because I was being just a you know an asinine little prick back in, in college. So... Yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad you picked this because like when I first listened to it, I texted you. I was like, "This album fucks, dude!" Like <laughs> I love this album. And then you know, as it as it got on, I was like, "Okay, this is kind of what I remember." And this like, there's some songs on here that made me remember why I hated emo at the time. But this album is awesome. Yeah, I think where it really lacks is the love songs. Yeah, oh my god, dude. and. Everything else is almost perfection. Yeah, Just, I agree. I, 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 yeah, those those love songs, man, they are hard to listen to for me. They they stopped the momentum <laughs> yes. in its tracks, and I think that was where they were trying to depart from because the first three albums they had um, were really slow. They mm-hmm. they kind of just had like that emo sound. This is like where they're getting to progressive rock, and uh, yes. they have some metal sound. There's to some them. real heavy metal stuff in here, and. That's why I, when I was listening to it for my third time, I was like, this sounds like a band that's been together for a while because they're trying new stuff. It did production. Just there's little production tricks that like a new band won't do or won't listen for or until they, or until they get a new producer, like a producer that knows what the fuck they're doing mm-hmm. that you won't hear in albums. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of really clean and clever production. And this album is, is full of it, at least for the first half. That's That's a good segue into some of the fun facts I have because... Um, John Feldman, who's the lead singer of Goldfinger, he's a prolific uh, producer. He actually dis- helped discover um, the used. He was their producer for the first three albums, and then this album, album number four. Um, he's grossed over thirty-four million dollars in sales as a producer, <clears throat> and in 
and he actually flew him out to L.A. on his own dime, got the use discovered, which was pretty cool, and that's all I had about John Feldman. But, (laughs) dude, you can tell when John Feldman produces an album because there is such a crisp sound, and uh, that's something I really appreciate about this album is that it goes in every which way direction, Mm -hmm. but it is like instrumentally sound. And I think that's kind of what we talked about last week as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I, well, I wrote down like this. This album reminds me of so many other artists that I love. Uh, a lot of CKY. I don't know if you ever listened to Camp Kill Yourself. It's uh, Bam Martin. Uh, is it Bam Margera's younger brother? Is the drummer for the band? Um, so they, oh. if you ever watch any of the old like like there's a lot of CKY in the old Jackass videos, and they did like CKY videos before Jackass and um, the, CKY is awesome. We might we'll probably do a CKY album at some point. Sweet. Um, a lot of Avenged Sevenfold, some Queens of the Stone Age, even some like Pantera sprinkles in there, and I, it was a, it was a pleasure for me to listen to because I do I love all those bands that I love all those sounds, and they kind of captured like what I loved, like the essence of those. And, and I'm not saying like I don't know who inspired who or who did what first, but that the those are the bands, those are the lens that I could view this album through because those are the bands that I'm familiar with. Mm. This album was released in on May twenty second, two thousand seven, which was almost exactly six months after uh, My Chemical Romance's "The Black Parade." I don't think that was on accident. If you could guess what the two singles are, do you know what they are? No. Uh, if you could guess, what do you think they are? Let me guess. Oh man, there's not a. I'm guessing it's one of the crappy love songs at the end. No, really. Okay. Um, you won't guess the first one. Is Paralyzed one of them? No. Hmm. The Bird and the Worm. That, see, that makes sense. If I think about radio at the time and what rock radio was playing, this is a... This, yeah. This is, the, this is the Avenged Sevenfold song on the album. And oh, that, really? This song, this song sounds so much like an Avenged song. Uh, so that makes sense. So what was the other one? Because now Pretty I'm, Handsome Awkward. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That was, that was probably going to be my first guess. Um, it was made available on streaming on MySpace. On hey. about a week before the album came out, so I wonder that how shows Tom's doing. I bet he's. I bet he, I, I text him actually and asked if he had any uh, the used takes. He's like, "What a great album! I'll let you know." And he never <laughs> did. Our buddy Tommy just had a kid, so you know we get what we can out of him. Oh, you were talking about Tommy Bacara. I was talking about Tom from MySpace. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet he's doing good too. Yeah, I, I, I know Tommy Bacara is doing great. <laughs> But yeah, I think MySpace got sold as like Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I think so. So yeah. Tom, just turning into like, just yeah. living in a lake somewhere. <laughs> in a lake, not on a lake. In, in a lake. In 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 it. <laughs> just living in obscurity, turned backwards, <laughs> smiling. Um, this album peaked number five at the Billboard 200. Interesting. Uh, the drummer was kicked out of the band uh, about five months prior to the album's release, so he had nothing to do with this album. There was a. St- I guess a technical uh, studio drummer. His name was Dean Butterworth. He did the drums for the album. He's known as being the drummer for Good Charlotte. And most currently, he's the drummer for Sugar Ray. Interesting. (laughs) Those those are two of my least favorite bands of all time. You hate Sugar Ray? I hate Sugar Ray. No, I don't hate Sugar Ray. But I listen to a lot of Sugar Ray. Like the 1492 album, I listen to that a lot. Yeah. And then once I grew up, I was like, oh, no. It's one of those bands that you listen to in middle school, and you're like, "Man, this this there's, the music can't get any better than this." And then you listen to other music that's all way better, and you're like, "Oh no, what was I doing?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, I fucking hate Good Charlotte. Fuck Good Charlotte. That yeah. band could die and burn in hell. 
Liar, liar, burning hell. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry if you like Good Charlotte. I'm sure. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm not. If you like a meek song, I don't. I personally hate Good Charlotte. But if you like Good Charlotte, good on you. Well, they're hypocrites. They had that song. Lifestyles Lifestyle. of the Rich and Famous. And then yeah, they fuck were, that song. They one of them married uh, Nicole Richie. Like, yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, like one of the most rich and famous women in the world at the time. Yeah. What. What a bunch of douchers. Yep. Douchers is a good word for we're, Good we're, Charlotte. We're taking a stand. We hate Good Charlotte <laughs> on this podcast. This is a anti-Good Charlotte podcast. Uh, sorry I'm going so long with these fun facts, but there is a few more. Uh, Chatham, which is the character on mm-hmm. the album artwork. Uh, you, I texted you a little bit about this. It ended up being an animated web series by the artist whose name was Alex Party, based on the character he created for the artwork, album artwork. It uh, premiered on the W.com, which was WarnerBrother.com, and it was on the Children's Network Kids WB. What? Which, if if you have any interest, uh, just put in Chatham YouTube, and uh, it's a wild... They're like four-minute videos. It's like a video game sequence, almost. Yeah, the first one you sent me is like surrealist horror, kind of. It's Why would that be on like WB Kids? I don't know. I guess because it was a cartoon. I mean, it does look very much like Reboot. If you remember Reboot from like early two thousand, late late nineties, early two thousands, it was a it's a fucking great show. It was a Canadian produced show, but it looks very much like that. That kind of really early CGI stuff, and so I think, and I think that was on WB Kids or Kids WB. So maybe they're like, oh, this looks like Reboot, and it's just wow, is it? It's strange. Yeah, there's only thirteen episodes. They're all like four minutes long, but. Yeah. I watched the first. I probably will crank out thirteen episodes. If they're only four minutes, why not? Yeah, but uh, I really like the album artwork. I don't know how. Yeah, you feel it's about really it. cool. It I immediately did. drew me to, to it when you sent me the like on my drive home. You sent me the Spotify link to the album, and uh, yeah, that album art is awesome. I think I I am pretty sure I got the bird and the worm on like a free Friday download on iTunes and the album artwork. Yeah, you. <laughs> I just said a bunch of words that don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure The Bird and the Worm was one of the songs that was a free Friday download. Mm-hmm. And that it had the album artwork. And it was it was cool to see that. And I think that's what drew me to it in the first place in junior high. Yeah. Um, the, lead, the lead singer, Burt McCracken, got vocal surgery after this album, which I can kind of tell why, trying to perform some of these songs. Well, if you, well, if you don't know how to scream right, it can really fuck up your vocal cords. And he does a lot of screaming on this album. So I think... Maybe he just was never taught how to fry scream correctly. So, poor guy. It gets the earlier albums. It's like way more. He's pretty. I don't want to say tame, but he like controls it a little bit better in this album. Sure. Um, Nineteen songs were recorded for this album, yeah. and it was intended to be a double album. Only eleven ended up being on the album, and eight were released the next year on an EP titled "Shallow Believer." So there you go. There's yeah, well, that, that's why I asked you, like I texted you yesterday when I was doing my notes. I was like, hey, what's the last track for you? Because on when I was looking at Genius, like looking at the lyrics, it had the other eight songs listed. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Did I only listen to half this album? <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I never really got into Shallow Believer, so I guess it was a good thing they cut. there was a cutoff. Because yeah, I mean, there's probably a reason they didn't make it a double album. They probably were like, eh, this probably isn't good enough for a double album, but it's good enough for an EP. Yeah, and I I doubt it would have made it to number five on top two hundred. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of double albums that make it very high on the Billboard charts because nobody listens to them. Um, unless you're pl- not planning on releasing music for the next ten years and you just 
want to release singles from your double album. Like there's no chance. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I guess we kind of covered opening thoughts, but uh, I'll let you go get into yours and then I'll get into mine. Uh, yeah, no, I think I got most of mine. Uh, what I really want to talk about is how many of the different bands this reminded me of. And I also want to touch on something that goes on in the metal world that I'm not a huge fan of. And there's this thought that highly produced music can't be heavy. And I completely disagree with that. Uh, it, it, there's nothing wrong with production value. I get that you, if you want to listen to a song, like a demo that was recorded in the 90s, you like that kind of crackle and like the really low production value for a metal album. It makes it feel more real and like dark and grunge or whatever. It's It's stupid. It's the same thing. I th- it's the same way I feel about people that listen to albums that were recorded yesterday on vinyl and say it sounds better on vinyl. No, it doesn't. You're losing so much of the fidelity from that recording because it's on a, a vastly inferior listening platform. So I, I love this album because it is so tightly produced and it is so clean, but it's still super heavy. And I think you get that much better when it's cleanly produced. So if you're one of those people in the metal community that thinks all metal should sound like shit, go fuck yourself because it shouldn't listen to listen, listen to death clock. It's a fake metal band from the show Metalocalypse and that shit, but it's the one, they're one of my favorite metal bands of all time. And it's really nice. It's really highly produced. Um, Brennan small who does, who does most of the instrumentation for the, and does all the production. He's a genius as far as when it, how it comes to create a really heavy metal album and it's there, it's really clean and nice and you get those like really heavy chugs and stuff much nicer in your ear. So, uh, kudos to the producer on this album because it sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, I I read some interviews with uh, Burt McCracken and he what said... What a name, by the way. Burt yeah. McCracken. It's either a porn star... That sounds like a, a, a made-up name that your buddies come up with when you're going to a bachelor party. What's your name? My uh, name is Burt McCracken. Uh, Burt McCracken. <laughs> Mine's been Dover. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're looking around a room... To make up a name, and you see, like, <laughs> Sesame Street is on, so you see Bert. And then you're looking around, you see a liquor cabinet, you see the crack, and you're like, Bert me crack. <laughs> <laughs> or like an 1800s baseball player. <laughs> yeah. Back in 1808, Bert McCracken threw a no hitter and hit four home runs to Smokey Joe Johnson. Oh, shoot. Yeah, Bourbon Kraken, what a great name. Yeah. Maybe a Hall of Fame name. We'll get into it later. Um, he's, <laughs> Bourbon Kraken said he likes bringing uh, pop sensibility into heavy rock. And I think yeah. that's what attracted it to me in the eighth grade was I'm still a sucker for a nice chorus. That's why I get into yeah. pop music sometimes. But I think this album goes in a million different directions. But when it gets to the chorus, it like finds its way back into its footing and... Mm-hmm. Even if it's only for ten seconds, that's all I need to like feel like I have some some place to get back to. Um, and it's just funny that a lot of the, I have a lot of eighth grade experiences that I probably won't weigh everyone down with because no one cares. But You're right. no one cares. It's really <laughs> it's really funny that I was embarrassed by this album because now I listen to it, and I'm like, this rocks. Yeah, like this would have been like a rolled up Windows album. Yeah, but now I'm rolling it down, and yeah. I'm like. Fuck you, you fucking liar. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Let's get into track number one, The Ripper. Mm-hmm. 
If you ask me, this is a kick-ass opener. Yeah, I agree. It's about nihilism. It's kind of open to interpretation, but I think it's pretty clear. Um, time takes solace. So why am I not just living for today? Yeah. I don't think that's nihilism, though. No? Nihilism is the, the belief of you don't believe anything. I think this is a belief in live life for the moment. I think this is more, I don't know. It's certainly it's 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 certainly fatalistic. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you read that somewhere. If that's something you came like determined on your own. Yeah, it was on my own. <clears throat> but it just seemed like I get where you. Why does any of this shit? Matter? Yeah, 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 sure, sure. I get that. Um, but yeah, I took more. I would like, hey, time kills us all anyway. So let's just have fucking fun. Let's just the time is the ripper. You're, you're gonna. We're all gonna fucking die. So I get where you're coming from. It's very. Uh, Nietzsche-esque, where it's like, well, we live to die. Do I matter? Do yeah. any of us matter? <laughs> um, but I, I saw it as more of like an awareness of that and like so more of a carpe diem mm. than a life sucks, everything sucks kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really like the drums. I think yes. it, it feels very punk rock in this, um, but everything else, the guitars and the lyrics, they kind of feel more straight up like hard rock um but he he takes his voice to a million different directions in this song and i really like that um i like the very last transition where it's like every time that was on a burnt cd when i was younger (laughs) i would always think the cd was scratched and it was like skipping but it's just a cool part of the song um do you have any thoughts I do. Um, do I agree with a lot of what you said. And I agree that the drums on this entire album are really good. So it pisses me off that this guy was the drummer for two bands that I really don't like (laughs) because the drums are really good on this album and they stand out. Um, Yeah, I I had had a lot of the same thoughts where, you know, it starts out very punk rockish, but towards the end it becomes, I said it evolves into a heavy as fuck brawler after the interlude. And it's, I think brawler is a perfect word for the way this song kind of attacks you at the end because it feels like you're kind of getting punched a little bit. But it's awesome. Um, as somebody who grew up in like listening to metal, I was very pleasantly surprised by how much metal like riffage is in this album. Uh, it, it made it much more enjoyable for me to listen to because I was aware of the used, but I was more aware of like their first album. Um, so I was like, okay, so I know the use. So hopefully this is, you know, this is something that I can get into and I'm not like, uh, I'm trying to struggle to find stuff to say, but man, right off the bat, I was like, let's go. This album kicks ass. Yeah. That was kind of the intention because American candy, as fun as it was, it was still pretty heavy, but I don't think this one's as heavy as that. In what regard do you mean? Like lyrical content. Yes. Agreed. I think this is like fun. I can put this, this is a fun. I think about it. Yeah. This is a personal album, but it's not, it's not like, getting into like metaphysical stuff it's very kind of like the lyric like this is an album you can listen to lyrics if you want to but if you don't it's fine because the music is good which is probably why you and i both skipped the slow songs well even the even the slow songs are not they're not very deep it's like i want to love you please love me (laughs) it's that it's that kind of bullshit it's the emo boy bullshit that i don't like Mm. or Um, e-boy now in the parlance of our times it's yeah Wow. How, <laughs> uh, time is a flat circle. Uh, pretty That's handsome, right. awkward for number two. 
Uh, fucking love this song. This was this was an early contender for my favorite song, uh, and I just listened to it on the way over here, and I was like, yes, this song kicks ass. This this song is again. This is a CKY song. Like the the even down to the the, the tone that the guitars have, it's eerily similar to CKY. And I don't know if they were if they're fans of CKY or vice versa. But man, there's a lot of like CKY sounding things on this album. And this is the beginning of it. Uh, yeah, it's really good and. I just love like a good guitar riff to start out a song and this has that and it kind of is the bed for the entire song. And I was I was looking into the lyrics and I would think that was a mistake because I realized after I looked at this like the lyrics for this song I was like this song this album isn't about like getting deep into stuff but it, it is interesting because a lot of the theories I found were that this is about the lead singer of My Chemical Romance and the falling out that they had where they just did a fuck ton of drugs on Warped Tour and one of them got clean and there was a lot of bad blood because of it. And if that's true, this is a fucking brutal diss track. Because <laughs> yeah. what does he say? He's like, you bleed like you puke after running a mile. And like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. Uh, both these guys are pretty uh, fucked up individuals. Yeah. Um, I know the lead singer, Bert, used to like puke on mm-hmm. stage because the way he like screams and sings and shit. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he had to get vocal surgery. But yeah, they both are very and in, were into drugs. I imagine yeah. they're not as much anymore. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't keep it. up. It's not sustainable. Unless you're Keith Richards. <laughs> uh, it's, speaking of drugs, I felt like this sounded like a Motley Crue song to me. Which yeah, I no, I get that. I totally get that. Just like the way the drums are, yeah, like playing secondary to the chorus, and then uh, the yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, yeah. That, that's very. I love the shit like that. Anytime there's a yeah in a song, I, yeah, I'm all about it. Like that's like, why part of the reason why I love Metallica so much because James Hetfield's yeah <laughs> is just as good as it gets. It's yeah, and I I wrote the same thing. You know, it, it could be about my chemical romance. It's kind of better if we don't know. I think it's. I think it's better. If know. this is an actual diss track, that's fucking brutal. It's up there with like ether. Well, he he said in an interview, it's about that little short blonde dude, and that's when Mike yeah. Romance had blonde hair. Yeah, so. right. Um, yeah, I think in a lot of people's eyes, this was like they were kind of coming up together, and it was like, who are you going to choose, Mike Romance Romance or the mm-hmm. Used? And at the time, I really liked this more than the used, and that was kind of my hot take, or more than My Chemical Romance. Yeah, I like this album way more than I like the Black Parade. Anything I've ever heard from My Chemical Romance, romance, I've not been a huge fan of, and I immediately love this album. So I'm in your camp, bud. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. You got one ally in the entire. We are world. officially pro the used and against <laughs> good, good Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, that was that was pretty pretty much it. It has kind of a traditional song structure, unlike the rest of the songs. Yeah, um, but I think it works. I really like the the hook. Like all the hooks in this album are really good. Uh, it, it's a good little like I don't know. It's a it's it's a good turn from the rest of the the song, which is pretty heavy. It's got nice chunky guitar, which I always love. And the pretty handsome awkward like it's just a good. It doesn't like. I don't know. It's really good. It, it just, it kind of, again, it, it, it remind it always reminds me of the blues traveler song where the hook and he's like, the hook brings you back. And that's what this, <laughs> every, every hook in this album kind of brings you back. It's mm-hmm. like, we're, we're in your fist fighting and it's like, all right, break. 
for the chorus and that the hook the hook brings you back and then you're like all right fist fight time they do that a lot in this album and i can't yeah. wait to get one to one of the songs but my girlfriend this was actually her favorite song she'd never listened to this album before it's kind of before her time and yeah she was like did you say very handsome awkward i'm like yeah yeah and she's like oh i like this song so then i had to sing her the whole album <laughs> yeah um, it's a it's a good song for sure so the next one is the bird and the worm uh i love this song it feels like a haunted house song mm-hmm. with the like creaking of the the floors and the evil laugh at the end and then uh the gang vocals in this song like yeah. this feels like a big i guess it makes sense it's a single because it feels like a big yeah like production well it's like the it's it's so good like and there's the chance behind that it's just oh man is it fucking good crawls like he crawls like a worm yeah. like whoa but I remember I had a backpack that I freaking loved in eighth grade, and I had it like it had like the little belt, and so I had like a little pin on my backpack, and I always remember him saying like he wears his heart safety pin on his backpack. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, that's pretty cool. I do that too. <laughs> Not exactly I what he was talking. About. <laughs> Not exactly what he's talking about. I took it a little too literally. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. The all the gang vocals, the all alone, and he crawls like a worm. Mm-hmm. Chills. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, again, uh, the drums fuck on this song. They fuck hard on this song. Uh, it's it's again. This is another song that reminds me of another artist, and this is one hundred. This could one hundred percent be on an Avenged Sevenfold album. It sounds like the vocals, the guitars, the mood of it. It's dark and moody. I, I wrote, it's dark and moody, and it hits like a prize fighter. Um, especially in the chorus when like the Gregorian chants come in behind. It's they're not Gregorian chants, but that's what they sound like. Uh, it's it's man, is it good. Uh, I I did a little bit of research into this because I like I really like the imagery of like he runs like a bird from a worm he runs like a bird from a worm like it's just such a good and then yeah so I think there's a it's definitely about somebody who's struggling with a mental disorder and I saw one theory where it's about his brother who may or may not have schizophrenia. And it's like him observing his brother trying to exist in a world that he's terrified of because of this mental illness. That's like he clutches his backpack and he's like he's he wants to be social, but he can't because he has this like crippling. And it's 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 cool if you look at it that way. But again, I started to realize at this point in my notes, I was like. Just listen to the music. This this album is awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, no, don't you know? Like you said last time, you're, you know, sometimes you're standing in the shallow end. It's not that deep. <laughs> and I love that quote, by the way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, again, this song is awesome because I love Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, and again, this this is so reminiscent of it, something that would be on an Avenged Sevenfold album. So yeah, great great shit. Oh yeah, uh, number four is Earthquake. Yeah. I'll let you take this one. Uh, it's pretty standard, like rock love ballad. I think from that time, it, it sounds like it was from 2007, mm-hmm. and, which is fine. And again, another great hook in this song. It, it's really, really, really well done. And it's it's why I like this song is the hook because the, the rest of it's just kind of straightforward. But this is where I really started to notice like all the intricate production values that go on in this this album. There is a there's a constant str- like string track that works as a bed. It's almost like a post-production thing where they just added it in. And if you weren't listening to it in headphones, you probably wouldn't. Like if you're listening to this in your car or from your phone, you wouldn't hear this bed track. But when you listen to it on like a really nice pair of headphones, you hear it. And it adds like this extra little bit of like spice and some extra life to this power ballad. And it's really it's really a nice touch. 
So, I mean, lyrically, it's about a guy who knows he fucked up and he's pleading, like, hey, can you love me, please? Do you still love me? And they, I really like the, she had an earthquake inside her head that buried our love or whatever, what he says. And it's really cool. It's, it's they're good lyrics, but again, it's not that deep. Yeah, this was my jam in eighth grade. <laughs> the song is There's, awesome. I could see you jamming out to this. I like, I remember my brother and I had bunk beds. I'm going to get it. This is the only time I'll tell a story, I swear to God. Because mm-hmm. this song was like, if, it was on re- if there was an on repeat button on Spotify right. on my iTunes back then, this would have been number one. I just remember laying on top of my bunk bed and just like listening to the song over and over again because I knew my girlfriend was going to break up with me because oh, I wasn't talking to her. Man, but she had an earthquake on her mind, and I was like, "Damn, it's so deep." Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it's the thing is like it's really clever writing. I talked about it on. Um, the main episode, like I love clever writing and it's, that's just a really cool, you can, you can feel the weight of that line and it's really, it's, you know, it's good. It's well done. Um, it's, I realized getting a little bit older cause it used to be my favorite song. Uh, it's not the best song on the album. No, not by it's my probably low tier. If I'm being honest with myself, it's the, it's one of the, it's the worst of the best. If that makes sense. Like in terms of love <laughs> song, it's, it's up there, it's but definitely the best love song on this album. I like with me tonight better. Oh no! Uh, yeah, so we might <laughs> we might start disagreeing, getting lower into the album. Uh, the last uh, "I Never Want You to Go," I never why like the way he just like stretches it out, and makes it sound so desperate mm. is really cool, and uh, it's like I don't know, it still gives me a little goosebump yeah. when I hear it. With me tonight is not the song I thought it was, so you're good. You're still in you're still in good territory. <laughs> it's not find a way. Yeah. Oh, um, next one is hospital. Um, I'm going to say the weakest song on the album for me. Interesting. Just because it kind of doesn't have a like a a purpose for me. It doesn't have that emo aggression that or yeah. like metal aggression that is on other songs or it doesn't talk about tainted love. It like it's kind of stuck in between and the in-betweeners are kind of where bands lose me. That's yeah, where I'm sure. like future albums I probably won't listen, yeah. you know. Um, but at the end it has that hip hip hooray in the mm-hmm. gang vocals mm-hmm. that gets me fucking jacked up because I know when I hear hip hip hooray, I have like a <laughs> Pavlovian response, like paralyzes up next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude. Paralyze. <laughs> yes. My mouth. Oh yeah. Um, we'll get to paralyzed in a second. But. Uh, so yeah, that's all I had to say about hospital. Uh, yeah. So again, you're right. It's pretty straightforward. There's not a whole lot of meat to like the music music in this. Uh, I, I wrote it. It feels like an evil carnival. The way it's like it kind of has this very frenetic pace to it. And again, I, I decided to just kind of stop looking into lyrics as much on, uh, at this point. But I couldn't decipher what he was talking about when I was looking at him on Genius. I was like, "What is this? What is this about?" Because it it doesn't seem to. There's no metaphors here. Uh, it really just seems like he's getting rushed to the hospital, but it, it like, cause the opening line seems to hint at suicide almost, but it's not about that. And I looked it up and I think it's about a recurring dream that Bert has where he's being rushed to the hospital, which is, which makes it much cooler. If you, if you can look at it through that lens, cause then the the pace and like the way the song sounds makes a whole lot more sense. It's, this is a recurring, he's a, he doesn't want to go to sleep. Because this is what happens. He has this recurring nightmare of being dying and rushing, being rushed to the hospital. So, yeah, not a whole lot to say about this song. I, I don't think it's the weakest, but it's not one of my favorites for sure. Now we get to get into my favorite song on the album. Mine too. 
What? Yeah, dude. I'm so excited. Yeah, uh, paralyzed. I'll let you go first. Okay. So yeah, again, this song. There's a. There's two different. Again. The, the running theme for me is this song reminded me of a lot of artists that I already love. And again, this kind of brings back the CKY like tone to the guitar and what a, what a good fucking riff, man. It's impossible not to like bop to this song. And it's, it's because it, it brings in so many other elements that you haven't heard yet. The horns, when the horns come in, Holy shit, this song takes a turn for the better. Um, and that's where it reminds me of another band that I love, which is here come the mummies. I don't know if you've ever listened. Like, did Alec ever have you listen to Here Come the Mummies? So Here Come the Mummies is like a rock funk band. But they all, they dress up as mummies on stage and they sing like dirty, like double entendre. That's all they do is double entendres. And if you've ever listened to Bob and I'll Tom. I'll double her entendre. That's right. I mean, they have a song that's like, it literally has a, an, a, like a lyric like that. Um, if you've ever listened to Bob and Tom, they've been on Bob and Tom quite a okay. bit. Uh, it, again, it, that's the kind of humor we're dealing with with the Here Come the Mummies, but they're great. We might actually do one of their albums, and we might have Alec on for that. Yeah, that would be because fun. Alec Alec is the one that introduced me to Here Come the Mummies, and he loves Here Come the Mummies. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's what these horns remind me of, and it's again, it's a clever little like writing trick that just makes this song so much cooler, and it gives it a little extra skank. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah, dude, the, the intro where it's like. The piano, it's like da 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 da. Yeah, and it's it, like da 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 da. It's like hushed vocals, and then you just hear the guitar come in, and then they're like da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Man, that freaking that's an adrenaline shot to my soul. Um, that the opening instrumental, just like I could listen to that over and over again. It's yeah. like maybe ten seconds long too. Yeah, it's like I said, it's impossible not to like bop your shoulders in your head and all listen. It's just a, it's a I, I just read it's a just a just a fun jaunt. And also maybe my favorite song on the album, which it ended up being. <laughs> so, yes. Paralyzed fucking rocks, dude. Yeah. Um, it kind of... I'll get into that in a second. But it's kind of a weird lyrically. It's about having like a really abusive relationship. Yeah. And- I think it's like... To me, I wrote it down at one point and I ended up deleting it. It's like the arguments you get into and then the makeup sex after. Because it's like... He talks about like getting beat, but actually liking it at the same time. And it's a, it's how could a fist fight be romantic? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That was the exact line. How could a fist fight be? So then I find that's so funny. It's, it's a, it's a playful song about an abusive relationship that isn't, it's not like abusive in like the traditional, like call a helpline kind of way. It's just like, well, we, the last line is knock me out. Like, yeah. We, we beat the fuck out of each other <laughs> and we hate each other, but man, is it fun? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool song, man. Um, the song does something that I think a lot of the songs going forward do, and actually previous songs do as well. It kind of devolves into the like knock me out, yeah. and then it come it kind of figures itself out. It was like a buildup of aggression, and then it kind of just kind of dissipates mm-hmm. and finishes the song. And I feel like the the pent up aggression ends up leading to uh, Liar, Liar, Brennan Hell, which I know you don't like, no. but I'll get to my theory later. <clears throat> you have anything else about Paralyzed? No. Uh, so next one is With Me Tonight. It's probably top-tier love songs on the album. I would say it's a top love song on the album. I'll just say it. That's fair. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't. I can see that. I will say, I do not like that he says, the way I broke your heart very literally. Because mm-hmm. even in eighth grade, I was like, you can't break heart literally. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that, idiot. What an idiot. What do you mean literally? <laughs> You're using the word literally wrong. 
what you do, rip out her ventricles, you big stupid? It's not a bone. You can't break it, <laughs> dummy. You can seize it. Uh, the lyrics are very straightforward. You don't want to waste someone's time anymore. Yeah. You feel like you're not good for each other, but guess what? What's one more night? Yeah. But I like the way the song's set up. Um, the, there's a trumpet in there. There's a yeah. lot of like elements. Like you were talking about strings. Yeah. The strings are kind of hidden in a lot of the songs, yes. and there's some trumpets that are like uh, that really make this song shine. That I don't think it would without them. Mm-hmm. I put pizzazz, and he also puts yes. like chicka chicka. Yeah. Well, that again, I won't, I'll let you finish your thought. No, that's, but, that's all I had. Okay. <laughs> and the first thing I wrote was the horns are back, <laughs> and I, I I think horns. Horns in any song, especially like a rock song, just make it just that little bit better. Because when you get little horn, like the horn hits, like I, I love imagining a horn section or a brass section on stage playing these songs because they don't do anything for most of the song. And then they, they quick raise their trumpets up and go burp for like one little hit. And it's, it's hilarious, but it, yeah. it just makes it, it makes songs like this just a little bit better. It gives it that little extra skank like I was talking about. And yeah, this, I mean, that's, that's the basis of what sky is sky as a genre is like, Oh, that sounds cool. Let's really blow that out and make this a genre of music. And it sucks largely, but every now and again, I'll listen to ska for like a week. I'm like, yeah, this fucking kicks ass. It's like, like springtime. I think you and I talk about ska. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, I'll, I'll listen to the mighty, mighty boss tones for like a week and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And then by like day four, I'm like, okay, I get why this died out <laughs> in a year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's again, it, it's a guilty pleasure for them. Juicy horns. <laughs> oh yeah. And then like, uh, kind of the theme of the album is just being erratic. And after the second course, it turns into a breakdown. Yeah. That well, I wrote that too. Like this, I was like, this song is kind of average until the bridge and it kicks back into a heavier territory where like it kind of is reminiscent to the early parts of the album. So yeah, I, I, again, this song is good. Uh, <laughs> And then bringing back the hook, the, the hook. I, I talk about the hook so much in my notes. Like I can't wait to post them so you can read them and <laughs> see how many ten times I repeat myself about why I like these songs. What well, what was the the term you used last week? You uh, said uh, I don't uh, know. I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, I, it goes into that breakdown and kind of what I said with like built up aggression. It's like the aggre- he's trying to keep the aggression down, but it comes up every now and then. And he's yeah. pushing it down. And uh, it finishes with like a little bit. It finishes a little bit slower after the breakdown, because mm-hmm. then we kick into "Wake the Dead." Yeah, and I'll let you talk. Uh, cool. This is a perfect Halloween song. Yeah, it's because it, this is my last note on this song, but I want us to lead with it. Um, I said I love metal sometimes because sometimes the songs are just about zombies, and that's okay. You can you can just have a song about zombies. It doesn't again. It's not that deep. <laughs> it's just a song about driving through a graveyard and seeing a bunch of zombies. And it's really cool. Uh, it, it's, it's the last song that I like on this album. As far as like the way the album is constructed, like I'll get into that a little bit later in my closing thoughts. But yeah, as I wrote, it's just good, gruesome, wholesome fun. It sounds like when I was listening to it on my notes list and I was like, this sounds like it should be in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Like during one of the zombie or like like the slow motion scenes where they're just shooting a bunch of zombies, like this would be a perfect track for Shaun of the Dead when they're having like a zombie killing spree or a zombie chase scene or something like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, that's exactly what I wrote. The Haunted Carnival's back yeah. because it's, there's a few songs that kind of have the Haunted Carnival, mm-hmm. Bird and Worm. Um and this time I feel like they perfected it. Yeah, this is a great song. 
I hadn't heard this song before. I don't know how I'd never heard it. Really? Uh, I guess I really skip all the way to Liar, Liar, Burn, and Hell, and then I just, I'm done with it, you know? Um, but this was kind of a hidden gem. I was really excited to find that I would not heard the song, and it went really hard. It's great. Um, the There's, like, strange hush vocals. There's, yes. like, a kid's... Like laughing in the background, and it's like this is not possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it adds like a really cool haunted quality to it. That yeah. if it was like a traditional rock band, I don't think that if they didn't have those em- the emo background, I don't think they would have bothered doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And also at minute two, it turns into like an eighties ballad. Yeah, which I thought was so funny and cool. It's good. It felt like an 80s John Hughes movie. Yes. Like someone's at the prom. And yes. Like it's crescendoing. And then he says, darling, it would be such a beautiful night to die. And it feels like it just like snaps back into like the metal. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that. It's a beautiful time to die. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wrote, I, I, I can't believe I almost missed this because this song reminds me of what Coheed and Cambria wanted to be. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I, li- I like Coheed and Cambria, but they just, oh, every time I listen to them, they end up disappointing me. Cause it's like, you guys could have been so much better if you just would have focused a little bit and kind of tuned the song, like the sounds, the songs that are just transcendent um, instead of doing this like weird dumb shit that they do sometimes. But this, this song sounds like what Coheed and Cambria wanted to be. And I think that, I mean that in two ways, both as an insult to Coheed and Cambria, but also kind of like Coheed and Cambria could have been really good. <laughs> so kind of it's like a double, double. it's like a I'm going to slap you and then kiss you on the cheek kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I, again, I love this song. It, it also made me think of one of my favorite albums, which is Famous Monsters by the Misfits, which could bring some uh, controversy with Misfits fans because a lot of Misfits fans don't like Michael Graves as on vocals. I love Michael Graves. And it's, it, that whole album is just creepy horror songs, and it's awesome, but it's done in a very accessible, like pop punk kind of way. Yeah. And if you, I don't, have you listened to them? That I've album? never listened to them. If- I've seen you would more. love the Misfits, dude. I feel like I would too. I've seen a lot of Misfit T-shirts. Never yeah. listened to them. Though. Well, ninety um, percent of people wearing Misfits T-shirts don't listen to the Misfits. It's just a, it's a, it's one of those things. But um, Danzig was the original lead singer. A lot of people like Danzig, and it's whatever. I like Michael Graves because he took songs about killing people and made them like top forty radio songs, and it's awesome. Yeah, because he's got a really, really cool, like accessible voice. So yeah, listen to Famous Monsters. We we might do that, but it's spooky season right now, and it's a perfect like spooky season album. Yeah. Well, the the shame of this is that we're doing it a few weeks early. It's still not Halloween yet. Yeah. And this is going to come out in November. Yeah. But. It's still fall. You can still get into Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some definite Halloween songs on here if you're looking for a Halloween party playlist. Yeah, as long as there's gourds on front porches, you can listen to Halloween songs. (laughs) When the gourds are gone, that's when... Well, I've always been of the thought because the the old argument is what kind of movie is Nightmare Before Christmas? Is it a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas movie? I just say it's a Thanksgiving movie. Just fall and winter. It's just a fall and winter movie. So... Yeah, listen, listen to famous monsters at some point in the next month. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. Uh, I'll yes. uh, next one is "Find a Way." Yes, uh, song number nine. <laughs> Fuck this song. I hate the intro. Yeah, I hate the whole song. It's like ripping masking tape and like. <laughs> ah, mm, ah. <laughs> well, <laughs> my first thought when I heard that I was like, "This sounds like Money" by Pink Floyd. 
where it's like the cash registers at the beginning, but it's not as well done. But then <laughs> after it gets past that, the opening, I wrote the opening sounds like a default Verizon ringtone. It does. It, I went, it, it, like that just really clean. Ding, just, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it sounds like somebody, something wrote to be copyright free. And it just, it's like, where the, what, why, why is this song on this album? Get it out of here. Yeah. Um, it, I, I don't care for this song. I think you you and I both can skip over this song yeah. pretty quickly. Um, but it's pretty straightforward. Um, I guess once you get get through that intro, it's not a horrible song. Yeah. But it feels like it belongs on a different album. Yeah, it doesn't belong on this album. I wrote It's a Palette Cleanser that I didn't want. And it's it's not bad, just not anything special. I wrote It Should Have Been on My Chemical Romance's Black Parade. That's <laughs> sure. where it feels like it should have sure. <clears throat> it belonged. Um so we'll go right into one of one of my other favorite songs. It's not well, it's top tier song for me. Yeah. Liar Liar Burn in Hell. And I guess it's just because I have so many positive memories of like just being so aggravated in eighth grade. And mm-hmm. This is like the angriest song I knew. This yeah, this is an this is an angry song about a deadbeat family member. I don't know what family member, but it's yeah. So that makes sense. I remember getting just burned by some of my friends in eighth grade and I just like would get in my car. I like could not wait to get my iPod in my ears and mm-hmm. Just jam out. You fucking liar. It's just <laughs> there. It kind of plays on the liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah. But um, it gets a little bit darker. I, it's not like a song that is very clever. It's just yeah. like playing off of the liar, liar, pants on fire. Right. I think that's why I don't like it because it, it's just so like I don't really like that. This is the one hook that I don't like. The liar, liar, pants on fire. Like I don't. It's just like ugh. It just it doesn't have the same kind of depth musically that the rest of the, the album does before this. Uh, it, again, it's not a bad song. I just it just doesn't seem to fit. This would be better on a different album, I think. I do like that it, it slowed down for Find a Way <clears throat> and went into Liar Liar, mm-hmm. just because going from Wake the Dead straight into Liar Liar would have been just like too much too much energy that I don't think I would have been able to match right. listening to it all the way through. Um, at the very end, I will say, I couldn't listen to this song after Dark when I was in eighth grade. Interesting. The When he's like, liar, liar, like yeah. the creepy shit he <laughs> yeah. does at the very end. Uh, it's still fucking creepy. Yeah. Um, I told Emily this. I was like, don't listen to Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire too late at night. And she's like, what, are you scared of it? I was like, it's just creepy. Yeah. And there's a lot of scary, we've been watching a lot of scary movies and shit, like, just don't listen to it. <laughs> what does she do, Kevin? She listens to it at yeah. like eight o'clock when she's staying at my house mm-hmm. when I'm at work, and she texts me like, "Wow, this song is creepy." I'm scared. <laughs> Did one come save me? She's like, "I closed all the doors." <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It's a the way he ends it is very creepy. Yeah, it is. It, and again, this this sounds like it, it. It sounds immature compared to the rest of the album is the way I put it. It's not a bad song, but it sounds like a song that would have been on an album like two albums before this one Uh, or something that would have fit it more thematically. It just doesn't fit thematic. I would think I would like this better in in an album where it fits better thematically, at least musically. So again, I don't hate it. Um, I listened to it again on the way over. Um, I think I wrote this was this would be a skip on a nod podcast listen though for me. I just like the energy of it. Yeah, I kind of sure. tune out the. I can sing along to it, but I just I don't even pay attention to what he's saying. Yeah, this anymore. song is it's very similar to ho- the way I feel about Hospital, where it's the kind of frenetic energy and you know it's it's good but it's not great kind of thing. So 
the last song on the album is Smother Me. Yeah, man. You want to take it? Sure. I, yeah, I, I think I actually do like this song a little bit. Again, like I like that lo-fi crackle at the beginning. It kind of sets up the tone for this. This is a this is a good closer, but I think it's ruined by the for me for the two songs in front of it. I think if you knock those out, uh, we think we talked about this before the podcast. But if you just make this like a nine song EP, this would be a really 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 nice closer to this album. Yeah. Or even just have it before, like just get rid of what is that? Find a way. Just get rid of that song. Put this, put it where, like, just move everything up one, and have Smother be be the like the end of the album. And it's a good, it's it, it is the end of the album. So like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it's it's really good. Uh, I I really like just kind of how easy and nice. It's a, just a good love song. Um, it's it's sweet and kind of I don't know. It's a good little after dinner mint for me. Yeah, I think it's. <clears throat> After the whole album, you kind of have this expectation that maybe it's going to explode and like go into this thing, but it kind of subverts expectations by just being a straight up yeah. slow song to end the album. You're like, wait, that's it? Well, I got to start at the Ripper again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, at least that's how I feel about it. Um, did you notice the in, there was a hidden track? Oh, yeah. I, wrote, I, I didn't want to talk about that bonus track. <laughs> um, okay, right. I'll get into my thoughts real quick and we'll talk about Case Dia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's still catchy enough, and I, I find yeah. myself singing it. The hook's like really I was, good. I was singing it on the way over here. I was at the grocery store singing, like, would you smother me? Yeah. I'm like, well, I probably shouldn't be. <laughs> would you smother me? <laughs> it's just, it's a really good, like, kind of, like, e-boy like, yeah. song. It's like, it, it starts out, let me be the one <laughs> to call you baby all the time. And it's just, like, it's. I don't know. It's a, like I said, it's a good like after dinner, man. It's a good salve for your wounds that, you know, the rest of the album beat you up with. Yeah. There, there was another song on one of their previous albums called All That I've Got. And it it's a lot like this, except this is more piano based. And I, yeah. I think that works a lot better. Yeah. <clears throat> now, let's talk about the hidden track. Let's do it. I uh, fucking love bonus <laughs> tracks, dude. They're my favorite thing in the world. Quesadilla. Mm-hmm. Let's, I mean, there's not much to it. <laughs> it's He's a bonus queso, Quesadilla, and that's about it. Yeah. It's a drum and bass like almost like EDM-ish kind of production to it. And it's awesome. I, I love bonus tracks because they reward the lazy listener. Um, I, I was listening to this while I was playing video games and that's where I found the bonus track. And I was like, I was, I didn't want to turn it off. I was like, okay, I guess the album's over. It's not going to turn back over. And then all of a sudden, Queso, Quesadilla comes on and I'm like, yes, bonus track. Fuck, let's go. Bonus tracks are so fucking good, man. And one of my favorite ones ever, it's on Korn's Fall of the Leader. You have to wait 16 minutes. Oh, and it's and it's them doing lowrider, and it's a it's a great version of lowrider. Um, but yeah, you have to wait 16 minutes after the last track. And I always like when I get to the last track, and I'm like, I used to do this when I would listen to it on a CD. And you get the last track, and then like it stops, and then you see the like the the seconds keep ticking. Like yes, let's go, bonus track. But yeah, so go ahead, you. No, that was that was it. Just reminds me of how fun that used to be to like yeah. listen to CDs and the last song, like you said, you're like, "Why is there such a long pause?" There's something coming. There's something there coming. There is something brewing, and in it's going to be weird, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> but yeah, it was just stupid, and it kind of felt like one of those like weird things where they just accidentally left the recording equipment on, and they someone was like, "Case." quesadilla yeah and someone made a beat on it well it's it like is. when we do our sound tests and you secretly record <laughs> <laughs> See, that's exactly what that is yeah it was probably just a sound test like that so yeah um 
but yeah, that was um, that was a full album, Kev. That was a full album. That's gonna be close to what one of the longer episodes we've done so far. Really interesting. Um, so we can get into closing thoughts if you want. Yeah, real quick. Um, as soon as I started listening to this, I texted you. I was like, dude, this album kicks ass. Thank you. This is exactly the kind of album I've been looking for for a long time. And then I listened to it again. I was like, okay, it tempered my expectations a little bit. Like, it's really, really fucking good. But then those last three songs, just man, man, oh man, did they kill it for me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. Like, I like the fact that it reminds me of a lot of bands that I like because obviously I'm going to like it for that reason. So uh, I, I said, I really want to love this album, and I think I do. I'll just skip the last three tracks from now on. Yeah, it's not one you can listen to cover to cover, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect, but it's a lot better than I remember it being. Yeah. I remember, I, I don't know why I had like such a, a block in my mind. Like, oh, I've listened to that plenty, but like listening to it as I got older, it just like, it has like a whole new energy to it. Um, I feel like it's more my taste now than it was back then. Yeah, correct. And, um, I just love the imagery and like some of it's like very graphic and, like paralyzed is such a like graphic yeah. domestic abuse song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the metal and the screaming is, you know, what I really appreciate his vocal range. You know, he can sing real soft and somber, but like when he's ready to get erratic, like he does in paralyzed or the ripper or pretty handsome awkward is just mm-hmm. like, it doesn't sound like it could be just one person doing it, but he, he does it really well. Um, and it's creepy, graphic, moody, and it's kind of all over the place, but that's, that's who I am, and that's yeah. why I, li- I think yeah. I like it so much. Um, that's those are the first three words I think of when I think of Dylan Hyde. Creepy, graphic. What is? That? I don't know what the other one was. Creepy, graphic, and moody, moody. and all yeah. over the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I just, yeah, I internalize most of that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I I think I am going to add it to my rotation. Yeah, I immediately added it to my metal playlist uh, just for the strength of the first like five to six songs on this album. Uh, and I, like I, I would get in, like I said, I was aware of the used, but I, I never really had listened to them at all, like in any sort of like in-depth way, but this was a good first hit and I'm, I'm more than likely going to take a little deep dive into some of their later albums. Yeah. So I like the direction, I like the direction that this album was going and I want to see where they went with it from here. So I think I listened to shallow believer and I was like, eh, it's not as good as life or liars. And I kind of just, uh, tapered off, but you know, it's, it's funny that of all the albums in the world, this like was just unlocked in my brain mm-hmm. a couple, maybe hours before I picked it. Yeah, and uh, it's funny that you and I agree probably most about this album than any other. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, we haven't departed too much, but yeah, I think we both like we, the fact that we have the same favorite song is cool to me. Uh, and I had this thought on the way over here today, actually, and it, it this album made me pine for the days where like rock and like hard rock albums were popular. Like nobody, you don't hear it anymore. Like kids aren't listening to rock and hard rock. And I, and it makes me pine for it because when rock and hard rock are popular, that's when you see the most growth in music because I think hard rock metal, they're the hardest, they're the most intricate to make. Mm -hmm. And so people have to do new and interesting things. They're forced to do new and interesting things a lot more when rock is popular because they have to find a sound that hasn't been made before. 
and there's so many things you can do with it. Like, I mean, just look at all the different subgenres of rock and metal. There's a billion of them uh, because people have had to innovate over time. And think about like the '60s and '70s when rock was popular, and then think, you know, even in the '80s, like when you had like your your power metal and your speed metal coming out. Just so many cool like techniques came out of it, and I just I feel like we've hit a bit of a stagnation in music. Where, as much as I love EDM. Uh, there's a lot of people that sound the exact same in the EDM world. There's very few people that I think stand out as different and interesting. Mm. Uh, same thing with like this, m- like mumble rap and SoundCloud rap. It's like, it's fine. But again, there's very few rappers that stand out to me nowadays. And I just don't feel like we're really getting a whole lot of growth. So I want rock to be popular again. Yeah. And I think, um, machine gun Kelly, yeah, h- him making like a pop punk album kind of was like the first time people got excited about pop gun- pop punk in a long time. Yeah. Especially me, like I haven't heard a pop punk album I've been really jacked up about, yeah. and that that was cool that he kind of brought it to light, even though he did it for his own selfish reasons, I'm sure. But yeah, I would, I would like I would love for these kids that are wearing fucking Metallica T-shirts to actually listen to a Metallica album and bring rock back instead of it just wearing it as like an accessory because it's a cool '80s band tee. Yeah. So I don't know. That's me being an, an old fart and just wanting the old man yelling at clouds. Bit, but I really do think there's some merit to that. I do yeah. think like the music industry is, I think it permeates all different types of genre. Like the creativeness in rock music when it's popular makes every other form of music grow. I really do think rock is rock and metal are really the foundation of creative growth in music. Cause yeah. you, I mean, you look at where it started, like you had, you know, classical and then into big band and then you got rockabilly where after rockabilly and blues shit just exploded and we got all these different genres coming out of that and it's it's just i miss it i miss rock man yep and uh the used lies for the liars is going to be what brought it back this podcast uh, yeah this yeah. podcast is going to do let's it fucking us. go <laughs> bring it back man uh so next week what are what's your plans so next week, uh, I have an album that I absolutely love. It's about a, a, a man that I absolutely love uh, who took his life. Uh, tragically, it's Avicii. Um, we're going to do Avicii True. And, I, and I'm not going to – I don't feel embarrassed to say that when I listened to this album, I cried a little bit because uh, his, his Avicii's story is tragic. There's a good a documentary out there if you want to learn about his story. Uh, it's the first EDM album we're doing. I really wanted to switch it up because we've done a lot of rock for the mm-hmm. first four episodes now. Um, and I really wanted to switch it up and do something kind of light and really fun. And this this album is so good. It kind of it really broke the boundaries of what EDM could it should be. And nobody's really done it since this album. Uh, and I think also I would love to have my younger brother down for this. Our first guest appearance. Let's go. Uh, it's it's going to be difficult schedule-wise, but I think we can do it. And he he loves this album. He loves Avicii. Um, and I think it'll be a really good, nice palate cleanser for the podcast as well to kind of do something completely different. And something I don't think you really listen to a whole lot. I know you know who Avicii is, but it's not like something you're constantly playing, like me and my younger brother. I know I know his popular songs, and I yeah. watched his documentary, and that's yeah. about the extent. So, but yeah, it really sad story about Avicii and his life because he really was he's a, he was a genius man within his own genre, and I can't wait to talk about his album. Like it, it, and listening to it last night, I listened to a bunch of because I was going to do a hip hop album. I thought about Lupe Lasers because I love the Lasers album. Um, I thought about doing, I don't know, a bunch of different, like I thought about doing till the casket drop from clips or hell hath no fury by clips. Cause I love clips and I don't think enough people listen to clips. Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of hip hop I listen to, and it just wasn't hitting me. It's like this is a great album, but it doesn't feel like something I want to talk about on a podcast right now. And then I listened to a, this this song, this album, and I was like, right, this is it. Yeah, that's, I'm getting that. I'm getting that excitement to talk about this with somebody, and yeah, I, I, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, so that'll be airing next <laughs> next week. Once you hear this, it'll be next week. Uh, yeah, so we're we're a few weeks ahead. So we, the, I think what we. No, no, we'll talk about it after. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.